What is going on, Church Voice family? Spencer Davis here back with another episode of the podcast, of course, with my co-host. Tyler Rhodes, what up? And yeah, we are excited to be with you guys as usual. Um, Of course, the podcast is all about building the body of Christ through a variety of voices. And we do that through the avenue of church history. Uh, We get to learn and grow and really just draw on these impactful historical voices of old, you know, who helped build the church and, and really they're still helping to build the church today. And I think that that's so cool because really if you're, if you're a believer and if like you're a Christian and you're not reading about these guys or reading their content, it's like, man, it's, it just makes it so much more full. You know, when you read what these, what these people wrote, even if it's like, you know, way, way back or even just more recent church history, but that's what we do here. Yeah. That's what we're about. And so, um, of course, we are completely sponsored, supported, and recorded at Christian Center Church, South Bend, Indiana. Um, check us out at ChristianCenter.org. Yep. Shout out to them. Of course, of course. Shout out to Pastor Mark and the staff here at the church. So um, let's get right into it, man. How you been? Let's do How it. you doing? Let's do it. I'm doing good. Good. Yeah. Family's in town. Yeah. And, they're leaving uh, today, though, right? They are leaving yeah. today. Yeah. So, which is awesome. I'm just yeah. kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> glad, just I get, glad I get my just house joking. back. <laughs> but yeah, it's been really good to hang out with them. And uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of fun. How you yeah. doing? I'm doing good, man. Um, I, I did have a little bit of a story. All right. Um, because I, um, I I killed something this weekend. Is that so? <laughs> yeah. So this, this story is not for the faint of heart. All okay. right. If you are a vegan or if you love animals, you don't want to listen to this. Um, but what it was, it was really cool. Cause we got together with a, with an older couple, um, that has started coming to our church and they have, they belong to this conservation club, like 200 acres over on the South side of town. Long story short, we, uh, we went there, we had some lunch, we went fishing and we caught a like 15 pound catfish. What? Massive catfish. Like, I got pictures. I'm not going to show you right now. I mean, like, I should put pictures on the YouTube. Yeah. But, like, we had, we, we caught a massive catfish. Actually, caught two of them. But when we were reeling in the first one, it got caught in the weeds. Long story short, we had a good fishing story. But we, we got the second catfish in. Who is we? Because you keep so, saying oh, we, okay, and it makes me bad, think that bad. you didn't catch anything. My bad. Somebody I, no, you were no, no, with no. caught it. I caught it. Okay. I caught it, reeled it in. I think it was on it was on Reese's fishing pole that the, the catfish, you know, kind of got on the hook. I reeled it in. Um, it was this crazy, intense moment. Riley's screaming. Reese is like, oh, <laughs> my wife is like, come on. It's like it's like this really intense thing, and we finally get it in, and it's it's pretty big. It's a pretty mm-hmm. big catfish, and my wife was insistent on keeping this thing and cutting it up and eating it. So, oh, I thought you meant keeping it. Like no, a, we didn't like keep a, a fifteen pound catfish. Cat. Where are you gonna put that in the bathroom? We got a kiddie pool in the backyard <laughs> with a with a catfish in it. Um, like but, keep it, but no, she wanted to keep it, so we. We brought it home and uh, and proceeded to, and and mind you, if you've never like butchered a catfish, it is not an easy thing to do. Unless, I would imagine so. Unless you're like used to it or do it all the time, it is not easy because you gotta you gotta get the skin off and you know do that whole deal. So we had fresh catfish on on Saturday night. Well, Sunday night, 
and snap. Yeah, it was it was, I, the catfish was actually really 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 good. Man. Um but you know, my wife had never cut up a fish before and so it was just this it was this whole experience and I told her I said, "Babe, like we're we're sitting at the lake and I've got this catfish in my hand and I'm like are you sure? You know, because this is an, like, if you've never done this before, it is an ordeal. It's messy. It's grimy, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's but, uh, yeah, but we got through it. And honestly, man, my wife continues to surprise me because like, she's like, I mean, it's not that we're like city people, but like, you know, you, you just, you just never know, you know, but like, I mean, camping, you know, we brought this fish home and she was I mean, she was into it. Like, she's like, <laughs> like, she was kind of back and forth, like, oh no, oh my gosh, oh no, oh my gosh, this is so cool. You know, so it was like this back and forth, but like, she just continues to shock me mm -hmm. with like her willingness to just do crazy stuff, <laughs> you know? And like, we, we, our neighbor came outside and we've got this fish on our backyard table. <laughs> and he's like, oh no. And it's like, so it was, it was an incredible experience. A little messy, a little, a little crazy, but sounds like it. But yeah, so sounds like it. I just, I just had to share that on the podcast because yeah. it was. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the was, only thing you shared. You didn't share none of that fish. No, I didn't at all, at yeah. all. But yeah, we yeah. cut it up and had some well, cat, catfish nuggets. So well, it's a good story. But <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> yeah, no, well, that sounds fun. That sounds like a good family day. It was. It was. It was. Stuff. Yeah, it was absolutely wild. So. That was that was my story for the week. Yeah, yeah. We took our family to Metro Diner last night. Oh, chicken oh, and waffles, my gosh. man! Listen, man. if Guy Fieri has been there, yeah, that's the place to be. It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I like their shrimp and grits. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Actually, dude. I haven't had them yet, dude. Yeah. They don't. They don't do just regular old grits. They they ball them up and fry them up, mm. and they put like sausage and cheese in there. Oh my gosh, dude! Okay, so I need to go. You to need Metro to go. Diner. You need to go. Yeah, yeah. Go on Thursday nights. It was empty. Oh really? It wasn't nobody. It yeah. wasn't nobody. If there. you go on the weekend, it's 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 an ordeal. Oh yeah, yeah. It's slamming yeah. on the weekend yeah. for sure. Yeah. Speaking of slamming, <laughs> we've got a great guest <laughs> that we want to engage with today. <laughs> I was going to say, speaking of cutting stuff up, but the story went on. And, okay, got it, you know, got it, got it. Because this guy tried to cut up Hitler. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's not how it went down. But uh, why don't we get into it? Yeah, let's do it. Let's hey, do with it. that great of a segue, yeah, segue no, it, you got to... It was a terrible segue, You, yeah. <laughs> you got to yeah, jump yeah, yeah. right in. <laughs> so uh, there's a historical guest, a real heavy hitter. Mm -hmm. I think we say that about everybody. Yeah. Uh, but, but I, I, we'll just I keep think on. that's just our affinity for it history. Is. It's it like is. everybody is like, oh my gosh, it this is, person is, is like. Look, this person was great, but yeah. this is a heavy hitter today. <laughs> this one, this one here. <laughs> but we want to talk about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Yeah. Now, we have talked about him a little bit before. Uh, we've used his quote, and then I, I actually told a, a story about reading some of his material. But he hasn't been our main guest and, mm. and main focus yeah. to interact with what he said. So if you know anything about Bonhoeffer, you know that to try to share his bio, <laughs> we would be here all day. There's been whole books a lot. written on this thing. It's a lot. Yeah. I opened Wikipedia, and I was like, I don't know it, how we're going to talk it's about an this ins guy. Yeah, it's an yeah. insane <laughs> amount of stuff. Yeah. Uh, Eric Metaxas actually has a good uh, good biography on on Dietrich Bonhoeffer, if you want to read that. Um, so I'm going to give the Cliff Notes version yeah. and just kind of run through it. 
Uh, he was a German Lutheran pastor, theologian, and probably what he's most famous for is is being anti-Nazi mm. uh, and really being a, a key a key Christian voice, one of yep. the only Christian voices in Germany, for that matter, uh, standing up against uh, Hitler and um, the Nazi philosophy. I, I almost called it a religion, uh, but really it's, yeah, I think you could say that. So he was a, a key founding member of the Confessing Church, and which their main focus was, was to confess the transgressions of how a Nazi had redefined Christian theology. Mm and how it had so permeated uh, German thought. Um, he wrote a lot of great books. Uh, the main one is The Cost of Discipleship. I think that's what he's most famous for. Probably second one is Life Together. I mean, he just, he just wrote a lot of fantastic works on, on discipleship. And actually, speaking of that, a lot of his discipleship actually happened in the States. Because when, when he was 24, he wanted to be ordained, but in Germany he was too young. Mm-hmm. So he came over to the United States to study at Union Theological Seminary in New York City. What was crazy was, and, and, and remember, he's, he's a German, so he's a foreigner over here in the States, but he would go to a bunch of white churches mm-hmm. around New York City, and he said that they were boring. <laughs> really? He said they were totally uninspiring. Wow. Um, and he, so then, <laughs> no, I know, I'm hey, that's what he said. That's, that's, yeah, that's what he funny. said. That's, that's what he funny. said. This ain't what we said. Yeah, yeah. This is what Bonhoeffer <laughs> said, although I don't know if he's wrong. Yeah. But uh, it's interesting because he started talking with one of his classmates mm-hmm. uh, who was an African-American uh, in the seminary, and so he ended up going with him. His last name was Fisher. I forget the guy's first name. I think it was Ray. No, Ray Fisher. It's the guy who played Cyborg on the DC movies. Maybe it was William Fisher. I forget the guy's last name. It, it was Fisher. Yeah. Uh, he went with him to um, to a, a Baptist church. What was the name of the Baptist church? It was so hard to say. Abyssaline or yeah, Abyssaline Baptist Church in yeah. Harlem. Yeah. Okay, so if I mean, if you want the experience of black church, that was Harlem, Harlem. That was Harlem in like the twenties and thirties, wasn't exactly. it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's the place to go. Yeah. And so he went to this church, and afterwards he reflected on that experience. He actually stayed at that church a whole year, mm. the whole time he was studying mm. in New York City, and he said that that the passion, yeah. and the vigor. He said he actually said, "I never heard the gospel until I heard it in a black church." Wow. He said, and he even describing his own discipleship to Jesus prior to that point, he was in seminary studying. He said, I was not a Christian mm. un- until going there and and hearing the gospel and experiencing what he called the black Jesus. Yeah. Now it's not has nothing to do with ethnicity, mm-hmm. but but what he did was he began he began to share what this African-American theology of Jesus was all about. Yeah. And it was all about his identification with the poor and the mm. disenfranchised, that Jesus truly was the suffering servant Yeah, uh, that the Gospels and, and all of Scripture proclaims him to be. He, he wasn't this, this conservative patriot mm. that was reinforcing uh, American causes, but he was for the least of these. And Bonhoeffer was again; these are his words. Greatly impacted yeah. by the Black Jesus. Yeah, I thought that was such a cool. Thought that was such a cool fun fact. And I, I've got a little bit more about him to say. 
Yeah. I thought that was such a cool, significant. fun fact. Yeah. That, um, I mean, he, it's just, it's crazy to me. And I know I already said it, it's crazy to me. He said, I've, I've never heard the gospel. Yeah. Until I was at that church. Yeah. And um, well, just really, really a meaningful thing. And it was that, and I think I remember reading a little bit in the bio, it was that connection between oppression and suffering and the vigor that they still had mm-hmm. for this Jesus that really kind of brought that home, you know, because right. I mean, when Bonhoeffer was around, yes, like things were going on in Germany, but like things were not good for the African-American community right. either. He witnessed, he oh, was an yeah. eyewitness to racism yeah, in his own yeah, words. For sure, for sure. And especially if you're in that church for a year, mm-hmm. you know, but but yet there's still a vibrancy, yet there's still life. And like they're preaching this gospel with a mm-hmm. with a passion. Yeah, Bonhoeffer said that's what made it vibrant. Yeah, was the suffering. Yeah, and that's why mm. he began to say, in the cost of discipleship, suffering with those who suffer is such a key element of his mm. theology of discipleship, mm-hmm. because that's what he saw modeled, mm-hmm. and that's what was most powerful to him. And really, when he went back to Germany a year later. He he had a different view on the the oppression the Nazi oppression of Jews mm. while he was there, and because at first he he really he, he didn't like it, but he really wasn't a voice yeah. against it. Yeah, and uh, it was more about like I said earlier, it was more about theology mm-hmm. than it was about people. Yeah, but after that experience at that African American Baptist church, he went back, and it was more about people than theology. Mm. That and I mean, and he was a systematic theologian. He was a you know, a lecturer at esteemed universities and all these kind of things, and that's great. Mm-hmm. But his main emphasis was people. And then the last interesting thing was a lot of people know that Bonhoeffer was involved in assassination plots on Hitler. He wasn't. He wasn't directly involved. Like he wasn't. He wasn't people who made plans to kill Hitler. He mm-hmm. didn't carry any of those plans out. He didn't do that. Yeah. But he knew about him. Yeah. He knew about him, and he didn't say anything to try to stop him or anything like that. And it's interesting to hear his justification for that. Because I think it would be easy to sit back now and say, okay, well, Hitler was was one of the most evil people, I think, to ever live. I think a lot of people would say that. Yeah. But still, to kill the man, I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. But Bonhoeffer said this. He said, the ultimate question for a responsible man to ask is not how he is to extricate himself heroically from the affair, but how the coming generation shall continue to live. He said, when a man takes guilt upon himself in responsibility, he imputes his guilt to himself and no one else. He answers for it. Before other men, he is justified by dire necessity. Before himself, he is acquitted by his conscience. But before God, he hopes only for grace. Mm -hmm. So he, Bonhoeffer wouldn't say him trying to kill Hitler was right. Yeah, he would say it was necessary, mm. and that his own conscience didn't make him feel guilty, and other people didn't call him guilty for for him being involved in it and him not stopping it. But he said he he did say, "I think I'm guilty before God, mm. and I, I pray that His grace will cover that, which yeah. we believe He will." Yeah, um, but I can't imagine being being in that kind of situation. Right. And Bonhoeffer is ultimately arrested and is in prison in multiple different places, in concentration camps, and then finally uh, was executed. But he really, he may not have handled everything correctly, but he was really a voice against oppression 
in America, in Germany, oh, yeah. all over the world. Oh, yeah. He was actually an undercover agent for a while. Really? Yeah, they would use his ecumenical worldwide connections mm-hmm. to, uh, he would go on these religious travels mm. um, to go talk with religious leaders in other nations when really he was sharing secrets with the allies. Really? It's pretty cool. Yeah, That's pretty crazy. Cool. Pretty cool. That's crazy. So there's, there's a lot we could say about yeah. Bonhoeffer, but I think the few main things was him accepting that guilt mm. for being a part of those assassination plots. And ev- even more than that, his experience in the United States, in, yeah. in that black Baptist church that changed his life. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot more about him. Oh, definitely. I mean, definitely, if you want to know more about this man, I mean, you know, look him up and and get get that thorough history. But I think those are some good, so those are some good points. Because, again, we'll talk about him again. And yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll have another interaction with him. But like, so we wanted to share kind of one thing, um, one quote from him. And uh, again, super impactful individual and someone to to definitely read up on and, and research on and get his books and everything like that. But in, in, in a book called Life Together, you had already mentioned that, mm-hmm. he says this, and this is, <laughs> I want to... I want to just kind of put the disclaimer out let there. Let me put a disclaimer on this conversation, all right? Because let's get to it because I feel, first of all, completely unqualified to say oh, this 100%. quote and to talk about Same. this subject, okay? Yes. So I'm just going to say the quote and then we're going to do our best to tackle it yeah. with with <laughs> with all grace and humility and conviction <laughs> and conviction because because we need it. So he says in life together he says this, all right? He says it must be a decisive rule of every Christian fellowship that each individual be prohibited from saying much that occurs to him. That each individual be prohibited from saying much mm-hmm. that occurs to him. So I know that no one's going to shout me down right now, but to that is such a bold statement. Yeah. And I think that there is so it, it's so thought provoking because we know that there are so many scriptures that talk about the power of our words and the words of our mouth and the the power of the tongue. And I think that he's saying something that is far deeper than than just um than just taming the tongue. I think I think that he's really there's a lot of implication behind what he's saying, behind making this a rule, behind making mm-hmm. this a standard of living to not say everything that comes to your mind. And in because there's a there's a process that has to take place before you speak, mm-hmm. and and there should be right. You sh- there should be, and in order to say anything of of real substance, you know, I think that you have to allow that process to take place. So I want I want us to just kind of talk about that process of, you know, what should take place, I guess, before we speak. Yeah, you know, in any instance, because again, I'm like. I'm the worst at it because I'm a I'm a verbal processor and I don't know anybody on YouTube or on the on the <laughs> podcast platforms if you're like me you're a verbal processor. So like when I'm when I'm speaking is when I'm doing and I, it's going to sound weird <laughs> but like 
when I'm speaking, I'm doing a lot of my critical thinking. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. like I'll I'll speak an idea or like I'll pop into your office like, hey, bro, what do you think about this? And you're like, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, and I see you hold your tongue so many times <laughs> because you're like, okay, he's just talking just so he can flesh it out. And then yeah. I'll just walk out you know? <laughs> like, okay, thank you. You said nothing, but thank yeah. you. But like, nonetheless, I'm processing as I'm speaking, but that doesn't make all of my speaking. Okay. Right. And that doesn't make it to where I'm saying anything of substance. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I'm just, and you'll hear it even on the podcast sometimes, and I'm just being straight up real. Mm -hmm. A lot of times I'll run around a thing before I get to that thing of substance. Mm -hmm. But it's because I'm, I'm I'm just saying that first thing that's on my mind. And Bonhoeffer's like, wait, no, don't say the first thing yeah. that's on your mind. Let let that thing rest. Let it process. And and so I just I wanted to just kind of open that up, open that quote up for us to kind of talk about maybe what that number one, the significance of it, the significance of not saying everything mm-hmm. that comes to our mind. Yeah. And and the, really the significance of even making that a rule. Right. Right? For our life, for our for our living. Yeah. And then and then what kind of that process looks like and what's the purpose of just like watching your mouth, you know, yeah. and, and like just not saying everything that comes to your mind. Yeah. So I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you kind of roll with that and and see where you take yeah. it. So. Well, I am, I am equally less qualified, <laughs> maybe more because, yeah. because I don't verbally process a lot. Yeah. So when I say something horrendous, it was premeditated. <laughs> I fully planned on saying whatever vicious thing I just said, <laughs> which is a lot worse, I think. But I mean, his his words here are so convicting and so powerful to me. And I think it's because when you couple them with the words of Jesus, that out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks. Mm. That And I, I wanted to read that little passage right quick. It's just a few verses. The context around it, though, makes it, makes it so much deeper. He says, either make the tree good and its fruit will be good, or make the tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you speak good things when you are evil? For the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. A good person produces good things from the storeroom of his heart. Mm. An evil person produces evil things from the storeroom of his heart. I tell you on the day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word they speak. For your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Mm. So my words aren't j- our words aren't just words like they're not no word is is meaningless they yeah. all carry weight right because they're revealing the fruit of our heart they're revealing what kind of tree we are like that's really really what it comes down to is that my words are going to tell on me mm. and that I'm not going to be able to there's a lot of ways we can cover up who we are our words is not one of them nope that eventually it'll in, come out in some way. It'll come our out. words will find us out. Yeah, they will reveal what's going on. Yeah. in our hearts. And so Bonhoeffer isn't isn't saying hold your tongue and hide who you are. He's no. saying if you can tame your tongue, you can tame your heart. Mm. If you can if you can stop it from coming out, you can stop what's going on on the inside. That if you have the fruit of the spirit of self control, to the degree that you don't externalize whatever's going on on the inside, that must mean you're dealing with what's going on on the inside of you. And I think I think that that's the main thrust 
of what he's trying to say, because Bonhoeffer goes on to say, in, in so many words, that holding our tongues is one of the best ministries we can offer people. Mm. Because it we like you think of, I think about how much I say in any given day that is completely pointless. Yeah. That is that's hurtful. Yeah. That's stupid. Yeah. That's not well thought out. I mean, you. Th- I'm just saying. It's yeah, just no, the no, truth. No. Yeah. I mean, and like, and I hop on Facebook and do two scrolls, and the amount of stupid things I see people oh, say, yeah. and it's not. Oh, yeah. And and again, it's not. Oh, I'm smart, and I see people yeah. saying dumb things. I say dumb stuff yeah. all the time. Yeah. And it's just how much we say that's just that's pointless. That's just our opinion. Yeah. That doesn't love our neighbor. Mm. Those things are revealing what's going on yeah. in our heart. Well, unless and let's bring it into current context because. And and I and I love what you just hit on because it's it's not just at this point in in like human history and and we know this and I just want to say it for clarity at this point in human history it's not just what comes out of your mouth it's what it's what you <laughs> it's what you type as well yeah those are still it, our words it's it's mm-hmm. what yeah it's still our words because we're 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 putting those things out just like we put mm-hmm. our words out in the presence of an individual mm-hmm. we're putting messages out. On Facebook and even and, and dare I say even in text messages, yeah. those those things that's that's exposing your heart because if that person was there, you'd probably say it. You know what I'm right. saying? Like so so it's the same thing. So I don't want us to like separate what we're doing online or in text messages or in different sort of um, you know conversational modes. I don't want us to separate that from from what Bonhoeffer's saying because a lot of times we can say, "Oh, well, I'm not saying it. I'm you know, I'm just, mm-hmm. you know, whatever." But like you're saying it. Yeah. You're saying it. It's that's just as significant as saying it. It is. It is. And it's I mean, even to me typing it is almost even worse. Oh yeah. Because it takes a special kind of coward yeah. to say something online yeah. that that you won't say to people. Well, and it takes a special level of intentionality. Yeah. Because because you're thinking it and then you're taking the time to type it and then you've got to make the decision to send it. You know, mm-hmm. so there's And it's public. There's a whole lot mm-hmm. more steps to even words, mm-hmm. you know, and and it, and we can't the scripture wasn't written in times when there was text and Facebook <laughs> and everything like that, but there is a there is significance to sending the things that we send or publishing the things that we publish. Absolutely. You know, and not that we wanted to go there, but I think, I think making that connection and that distinction to say, wait, no, this is the same thing. Yeah. It's important to say, Paul tells us not to speak a single word that doesn't build someone else up. Mm. I mean, and it, it, and he's not just, he's not just talking about Christians there, like even when we speak to non-believers, probably especially so, yeah. our speech should be gracious and seasoned with salt. Yeah. Yes, we might be standing up for what's right. Yes, we might be saying yeah. what you're doing is wrong, but there's still a way to correct someone and still build them up. Yep. Even to rebuke someone yeah. and still build them up. That, that our our purpose so often nowadays is to tear people down yeah. and to have all these gotcha moments. Yeah. Like it's all about oh, for it's sure. all about trying to trip yeah. <laughs> someone up. It reminds me. It actually reminds me of the Pharisees. Yeah, how they would they would say these questions, these confusing questions, these complicated questions, mm-hmm. and oftentimes the gospel writers would tell us straight up they were trying to trap Jesus. Yeah, 
they were trying to get him to say yeah. something provocative right um, or something that they could twist and say it was blasphemous or or against the law uh, or against the tradition of the Pharisees they were always trying to twist his words into something they weren't and we do that so much yeah that to me to me part of part of talking is listening mm. because and Huge. I say that yeah yeah and I say that because if I'm going to say something to you, especially in response to something you've said, mm-hmm. if I don't hear you, there's no way I can talk to you. Not at all. I'm just I'm talking past you. Oh, for sure. And we do that so often, yeah. especially online. Oh, yeah. We just talk right past each other. Oh, yeah. And it's it's and what I do, and I was talking with someone about this the other day because they were throwing out a buzz, they were throwing out some buzzwords mm-hmm. in in the culture. And what they were doing was they were taking every single use of that word ever, mm. or every single use of that subject, and they were they were making them all the same. Mm. It's the same definition used in the same way by the same kind of person right. every time they say it. Right. And what what ends up happening is that we end up we end up mishearing right. or not even desiring to hear what other people are saying, and our response to them paints them in a certain kind of way. Mm. And and that's that's wrong. Yeah. It reveals in our heart that we don't love our neighbor. Yeah. Because if we loved our neighbor, we would listen even even when we disagree. Or we would ask questions for clarification. When when you say critical race theory, what do you mean? Because mm-hmm. people mean different things when they say that. Yeah. When you say systemic racism, what do you mean? Yeah. When you say, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. That to, to try to find out what someone is really saying mm-hmm. so we can actually respond to them and not just respond to these you know these buzzwords or these yeah. movements and stuff or respond to our own triggers exactly you know i think that's what what happens so mm-hmm. many times is that we just we just respond to what triggers us yes you know whether that's negatively or positively mm-hmm. you know because we had this conversation mm-hmm. even in reference to the podcast you know where we're like <laughs> Because the way my forgetful brain works is that like you'll say something that just triggers me and like and I'm trying to hold on to that thought and I haven't heard anything else that you've said. Right. I haven't heard anything yeah. else. <laughs> and I'm just trying to hold like wait, wait, wait. Okay, okay, wait. Yep, I still got it. Nope. Oh, I'm losing it. <laughs> it's like yeah. and that's what's going on in mm. my head. And how many times do we do that? Like how many times do we do that in day-to-day conversations? Mm-hmm. In even in counseling someone or like, or when someone comes to you, you know, you haven't heard, they've been talking for about 20 minutes and you, you're still on the thing that they said five minutes ago or 10 minutes ago. And so you're not getting the full context of the conversation. And so we just, we hold on to those triggers, but, and, and to go along with the quote, the scripture also says, and this is something that I've been meditating on so heavy, honestly, since the Brazil trip, because this was something that came up when we were on the boat in Brazil and like and it just it just wrecked me because I realized I've got to do that across the board in my marriage and in my family and in my ministry and in everything and I and I've slipped I've slipped back and forth and I realized I got to meditate on it more but the scripture says be slow to speak quick to listen yep. and slow to anger or yep. slow to wrath yep. and it's like that's that's the equation that's yep. the, that's the cheat code right there yes. is being slow to speak quick to listen because here's the thing I can be slow to speak but I can also not listen to you right you know what I'm saying like exactly. I can be slow to speak I can keep my mouth shut but I can also I can also turn off my ears exactly I can turn off my ears in an instant mm-hmm. and just not just choose not to listen to you I'm not hearing anything else you say yeah. so that's not what Bonhoeffer's saying here right. he's saying 
exactly what the scripture says. We have to, in that, in that not speaking, there's a process. And we talked about that process a little bit before we got on. So like, what is that process? Like, and what is the purpose beyond just, because here's the thing, you can hold your tongue but you can you can also bottle up your emotions. Right. You see what I'm saying? So like how do we hold our tongue and not bottle it up? Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And and not um just stuff down whatever we're trying not to say. Right. What is that what does that process look like? Eventually that'll all spew out anyway. Oh, for sure. And usually it's gonna spew out on those closest to and us. And it's gonna be in the worst way. Exactly. It's gonna be I in the worst way. I was talking to a youth student on Wednesday night. Because they were they were having some issues with their parents, but they didn't feel like they could say anything. Mm. And I said, beware, because you're you probably have an outlet for those emotions. What you're probably doing is saying to someone else what you wish you could say to your parents. Yeah. And and she said that, well, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm mistreating someone right now. Yeah. Because I can. Yeah. And because I can't mistreat the person who I actually want to mistreat. So we have to be aware of that. Yep. You're exactly right. Yep. Even when we internalize those reactionary impulses, yeah. oh, I gotta I gotta mm -hmm. comment on that. Mm -hmm. Or ooh, I can't let them say that. Or yeah. oh man, I've got to respond. Yeah. Just internalizing that in alone isn't enough. You're you're absolutely right. I think the greatest way to do it is through prayer. Mm -hmm. Is through externalizing what's internal with God. Mm. I think I think God is one where we don't have to watch our words quite as much. Mm. Not to say that we can just be disrespectful and and just be like, "Hey heavenly Father," and start dropping F-bombs and being disrespectful yeah. and I'm not saying yeah. that. <laughs> I'm not saying go rogue and go ridiculous. <laughs> but I just mean being honest in prayer. Yeah. Dr. John Coe is a is a professor at Biola University. He said, prayer is not a place to be good. Mm. I love that yeah, quote. It's the truth. Because he's saying what he's saying, and he's not saying prayer is a place to be bad, but he's saying to let the bad that's on the inside of us out yeah. before God. Yeah. I think the Psalms are a great place mm -hmm. for that. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's at one point a psalmist says, uh, God, will you take the heads of the Babylonian children? and smash them against the wall. It's like, uh, <laughs> I don't think he's going to say yes on that one. A little much there. A little that's much. A little, a little too much. much. We're smashing baby heads. We're uh, <laughs> yeah. probably a little too much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, is, is, is the psalmist's feelings wrong? Yes. Yes. Is that something we should not do? <laughs> yes. But is it wrong for him to say it in prayer? No, it's not. Mm. I don't think it is. Yeah. I don't think it is that I think we need to let those things out. God, mm -hmm. if I could say this to this person, this is what I would say. And I'm telling you, because I can't keep it in, yeah. and I know it's not right, and I, I, need, I need you to release me of, of these emotions. I don't want to be reactionary towards this person. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to say anything to them at all, yeah. I want you to lead me in what I'm going to say. Yeah. And in another way, not just being honest in prayer, which actually, and before I go on, I want to say one more thing. Thomas Merton is a, is a Christian author on the spiritual life. He's a, a mystic. And he said that our whole lives we're competing between two selves, the false self and the true self. And I've been meditating on that a lot. He said our false self is, is, is who we project as holy Mm -hmm. And good and right. Yeah. That the person that's word that's uh, photoshopped. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. cropped and edited. That's right. you know that's the version of ourselves we want to present. And mm -hmm. our true self 
is us as who we really are mm. with all good and bad, right. all the complexities that live in us. And he said something shocking to me. Mm. He said, the place in which we are usually the most false is prayer. Mm. And, and it's it, true. it convicted me so much no, because it's, I it's thought, 100% how true. often do I just yeah. say what I think God wants to hear as if he doesn't know what's in my heart? Right. Right. How often do when I pray for other people do I say things that sound good yeah. and that feel good yeah. but really aren't aren't meaningful, aren't Mm-mm. spirit-led, aren't aren't what what we're supposed to be saying. Mm. And so just trying to to find the place where we can be our true selves in prayer, mm-hmm. where we're not hiding anything and God knows, yeah. but that doesn't even though he knows that doesn't mean we're not hiding. Right. That I mean, he knew where Adam and Eve were in the garden for sure, but he still asked them where they were. Yep, because they were the ones who chose yeah. to hide. Yeah, and so we have to try and 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 release that true self in yeah. prayer, yeah. and have the courage and the boldness to do that. And then two, silence and solitude. Mm-hmm. The best way to learn how to not say anything is to not say anything. <laughs> and like it's, I know that's simple, it's true. But make it a practice. Make it a practice. making it a practice. Make it a practice. So I. I try to, and I I have not mastered this. Yeah. But I try to spend a lots of time every day in silence mm. and solitude. Mm. Now that when I say lots of time, I'm, I'm only talking like 15 minutes total. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's not lots of time. I mean, it's, it's well, lots of time to me. Well, no, it's a, it's a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of time in mm-hmm. modern day culture. Yeah. If you're if you're quiet, mm-hmm. like intentionally quiet for longer yeah. than like five minutes, people yep. lose their marbles. Oh, for sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, for sure. Like yeah. it's just it, it's the truth. It, but I I appreciate what you're saying because it. That is the only way. Mm-hmm. And when we bear ourselves to God, it makes it makes everything else quite a bit more bearable. Yep. You know what I mean? And and it and it exercises that that level of because that's where so it's not that I'm irreverent, but that's that's where I can truly cast my cares. Exactly. Like that's where I can truly um let let those frustrations out because here's the thing like he's not like god is not caught off guard by your frustrations but here's the thing if you don't go to him with those frustrations whether it's with an individual whether it's corporately whether it's whatever your your mouth is going to get you in trouble. Yes. Because it has not been filtered through prayer. It's not been filtered through prayer and like you said silence and solitude because the the scripture says that the spirit is at work in us. Yep. Right? At work on the inside of us. Scripture says that the Holy Spirit comes to take up permanent residence yes. within us, right? So there's something to be said about when we do hold our tongue, when we do tame our tongue, and we keep that inside, not not to bottle it and and allow it to come out later. But when we keep it inside and and allow that filter of the Holy Spirit to do the work on on whatever that thing is, whatever mm-hmm. that frustration, that statement, that whatever doesn't need to come out, mm-hmm. or even if it's a good thing, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. even if I have a thought that I think is good. And I and I choose to do what Mary did and ponder all these things in her heart, which yeah. is always so incredible to yeah. me. It's important. Mary should have been doing a lot of talking. Yeah. Or could have been doing a lot mm-hmm. of talking, or could have been doing a lot of evangelizing and and look what God is doing. <laughs> but but she didn't. 
She pondered all these things in her right. heart. But when I don't allow that filter to happen, the good things that I that I that I that I say are are just good instead of great or mm -hmm. significant or truly impactful. Yeah. And then all the other things that I say are 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 really somewhat idle and and not necessary to to the building up of of an individual. Yeah. And so there's that when we hold it in, we have to allow it to be filtered, you know, through that prayer and through that that silence and solitude. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you think about what Mary could say. You think about what Jesus could say. Oh, for sure. But he said, I only do what the I Mary see my thing father doing. The Mary messes me up, yeah. though. Yeah. Like, it, it messes me. Yeah. It, it messes yeah. with me. Yeah. Because, again, as a verbal processor and as like, and, and here's the thing, I'm going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb here and, and just, and just say something. But like, could that be why God is not speaking to us as, as, as much as we may want him to sometimes? Mm -hmm. Because like, if, if he did, we'd be all over the place with it. And like, and, and how, how often do we not ponder things in our heart? You know what I mean? Like, cause like, again, that, 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 just that statement of she, these things happened and she just pondered them all in her heart. Like that is true self-control. That is yeah. like, that's significant to me because we don't do that enough. Mm -mm. And like, she saw angels, she gave birth to, to the, the son of God. Like, my goodness, you know, yeah. like that's a lot. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. And the fact that she just, just kept it all, just kept it all in here and treasured those things in her heart, you know, and, and it's just, it's so powerful to me. Yeah. You know, and it's something that and it's a characteristic that I think we've all we all need to adopt. Even if God is doing great things, it's not that we don't share our testimony, but and it's not that we don't talk about what God is doing, you know, or talk about what he's speaking to us, but man, let it let it filter. Let everything filter, good, bad and indifferent. Let it filter through that 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 prayer and that solitude because mm -hmm. when it comes time to say it, when that moment does arise, when it when it is that time, it's going to be more significant and it's going to be of value. And we're not going to be judged negatively about it because it'll be that time. It'll be led of the spirit. Mm -hmm. It'll be more significant and more impactful. Yeah, absolutely. Francis Buckner said the, the biggest hindrance to us hearing the voice of God is our own internal dialogue. Mm. And... And not not only that, but the external dialogue all around us. So people are always talking to us. We're always hearing words. We're always yeah. encountering words. And then we're always talking to ourselves. Oh, for sure. And and I think I think that God is talking to us in so many ways, but our our discernment of his voice is off because mm. we don't know how to turn off all those other voices. Mm -hmm. And one of those is silence and solitude where we ponder those things yeah. in our heart. Yeah. Henry Nouwen said words that come from silence are more powerful than words that come from words. Yep. And so when we become people of pondering everything in our heart mm -hmm. and being predisposed to silence mm -hmm. and speak when we feel instructed by the Spirit to speak, rather than be predisposed to speaking and only silent when we feel the Spirit drawing us into silence. Yeah. That viewing it that other way, our words are going to carry mm -hmm. more weight. They're going to be 
more powerful. They're going to be more on time yeah. whenever we do that. Are, are we going to hold our tongues perfectly? No, probably no. not. Especially no. me. No, pro- <laughs> probably not. Yeah. But what we will grow in that way, and, and like Bonhoeffer said, be able to give that that ministry yeah. to other people. Yeah. That this is a place where you can come in and talk because we're silent. Mm. And this is a place where you can come in and not talk because we'll talk to you. Mm. Like it's in whatever the situation needs, we have the self-control to be able to to be able to give that. Yeah. To be able to give the gift of silence or or give the gift of words. Yeah. And we'll be more discerning about what which which of those we're doing in any given moment and what someone really needs. Mm. Yeah. No, and that's a hundred percent true. And and again, we're we're for those who are watching and listening. We needed this lesson and, and yeah. continue to need this lesson because we're not professionals on silence and solitude, Mm-mm. nor are we professionals on watching our mouths. <laughs> but like, not. that's the word for today is just watch, watch your mouth and let, mm-hmm. and let, let the spirit be that filter. Let the spirit be that. But we have to, we also have to give room. We have yeah. to give room for the spirit to be that that filter, and that's where that prayer and that silence and solitude comes in. Exactly. But uh, but we're gonna go ahead and just cut this off because you know we can just keep going and keep talking, but like you know we're breaking the rules. So it's time to be silent. <laughs> <laughs> but it's time for us to be silent. But listen, thank you guys so much for listening today. I pray that this I pray that this episode helps you. For those watching on YouTube, thank you for watching. Feel free to like and subscribe to our channel. Um, And if you're on the podcast platforms, be sure to leave a review and show us some love over there. Um, uh, Follow us at Church Voice Podcast, all one word on Instagram. Uh, But listen, we love you guys so much and we'll see you in the next episode. Peace out, y'all. Peace.